salutations, peace, and blessings. You're listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. I am your host, the Kamish, and we're coming up on the 14th week of the NFL schedule. And we have just kicked off the NBA season. The NBA is back, ladies and gentlemen. For those that follow basketball, I think there's a part of you that's excited. I want to believe that uh, we're looking forward to the new season, in spite of the fact that the season just finished about a month or so ago, right? But the NBA is back. We had preseason games kicking off on Friday. We had some kickoff today. And I guess throughout the next few weeks, we'll see a lot more preseason games. The first game of the season is the 22nd of December. This is when we're going to see all the basketball teams play within their home crowds or home stadiums or arenas. And we're going to see basketball live again. I know there's a lot of people on the fence about playing basketball so soon. But what are you going to do? There's nothing else you can do or say. The NBA has made it clear we're not going to wait any longer to get this season started. Otherwise, it can cost us millions of dollars. So with that being said, regardless what LeBron feels or anybody else for that matter, the NBA will start the 22nd. And there will be a number of games obviously playing that day. And then there'll be five games playing on Christmas. But before I go into the NBA, I want to touch on college football for just a minute just a minute before i start on college football let me give a big shout out huge shout out for texas school for the death there in austin texas their high school team just won the state championship for the first time in their existence and naturally this texas team uh had to of course overcome a lot with covid but more importantly they've played the entire season through sign language. I, I believe me when I tell you, I, I can't imagine how anybody could do so. But based off what I saw, they were able to communicate through sign language, obviously, on the sidelines with their peers, with their teammates. And they use this drum, this bass drum, I guess, to either initiate the start of the play or the end of the play or what have you. But it's amazing that even a team like this could be so successful at a time like this and in spite of everything else in spite of covid they went out there played their tails off and won the state championship shout out again to the texas school for the deaf there in austin texas did a magnificent job i saw the um, article or i saw the episode on tv this morning one of the news stations i think that was absolutely marvelous for what they've done this season and for all the other state champions out there in high school football i know this is around the time that we see a lot of these state championships being played i wish everyone the best for those that have won congratulations hopefully i can get you guys on the air uh, when the time permits but I want to go back into college football because for the last few weeks, we've been trying to wrap our brains around which teams are going to be playing for the bowl championship series. And this in particular, of course, is narrowed down to about 25 teams that have been selected every week. And I'm, I'm speaking for those that have no clue what the BCS means. 
it could be a little confusing to some, but for those that have followed football for this long, it's basically a committee that sits back and says, we know we like this team, we like that team, we like Alabama being number one, we like Notre Dame being number two, we like Clemson being number three, and right now we like Ohio State being number four. And then there's a list of other guys and teams that are playing, you know, and, and, and ranked as well. Uh, shout out to Texas A&M, Florida, Iowa State, Cincinnati, UGA, and Miami. Those are your top 10 in the BCS rankings. But I want to just talk a little bit. Maybe this is my ranting process or the start of it. Because we're talking about the four teams right now that are top of the BCS standings. And I did some research on these four teams. And I, I have to believe that these are probably the best four teams right now in college football. Meaning, if they had to face off right now amongst each other, you probably would see the the highest level of talent there is in football. Because you got to believe if anybody else were to play these teams, they probably would have been smoked. And we see where Notre Dame is at two slightly ahead of Clemson that lost to Notre Dame uh, sometime mid-season. And we're looking at Ohio State, and the issue I have with Ohio State extends more so of the fact that Ohio State's only played five games. Most of those games were, I won't say cakewalks. I mean, they weren't simple games. But Ohio State didn't have any issues or any problems with these teams they played against. The only one that gave them any problem was the University of Indiana. And that came down maybe the last few minutes of the game. But what I'm basically saying is this. This team has only played five games. Three of their games were canceled due to COVID. And yet here we are trying to fit this team in fourth place with a chance for them to play for the BCS championship. Now, I looked at a list of other recruits or uh, scouts or parts of the committee that had a right to vote for their four teams to make the BCS rankings. And those four top teams Across the board, it was about 13 people had voted for the same outcome. About, let's say, 10 out of 13 felt as though Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Ohio State were the top four teams in college football. But there were three out of those 13 that felt as though Cincinnati should have been that fourth team. Texas A&M should have been that fourth, team, that fourth team. And I believe Florida should have been that fourth team. Now, I'm making this argument because it seems as though there are a number of people that feel as though for you to compete for a championship, that you should play an X amount of games to be convincing enough to be able to stand against these top teams that have played six plus games already, somewhere close to maybe even 10 games for the season. I believe Notre Dame is 10 and 0, with Clemson being nine and one right behind them. So there may be a legitimate argument behind why 
Ohio State would even be in the running if they've only played five games. And interesting enough, the the Big Ten uh, conference committee took it upon themselves to say, well, you know, we can we can add Ohio State to that list in large part because they couldn't play their full schedule because of the cancel games they had amongst their opponents that suffer from COVID. So it's like allowing a team a pass because we realize that Ohio State is probably one of the more talented teams that would do, let's just say that they would do well under the marketing bid. You know, we're, we're trying to market the top four teams. We think that Ohio State's a lot more marketable than Texas A&M. We think they're a lot more marketable than Cincinnati. We think they're a lot more marketable than Florida. We think we're more marketable than Indiana. And we are putting Ohio State on this pedestal for underachieving for the season. Now, yeah, I understand it wasn't their fault. It wasn't their fault that they had to cancel three games. But why are we giving Ohio State the nod so quickly to say, okay, these guys can compete for a championship? First of all, they have to play Northwestern for the Big Ten championship. What if Northwestern wins that game? Now what? Are we still going to harp on the fact that Ohio State should be playing for a BCS title? It's, it's, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's just irritating to think that because it's Ohio State University, that they get a pass because of the fact that they couldn't complete their season due to the other teams suffering from COVID. But there's other teams, including Texas A&M, including Florida, including Cincinnati and Georgia and Miami that played more than six games, perhaps even eight games. And you would think that these teams, in spite of the fact that they're not undefeated, would have more of a fighting chance at perhaps earning that fourth position, in large part because they've played a fuller season of football. So you have more of an understanding of where these teams are ranked amongst other teams because they've played 10 games for the season. They didn't have to necessarily worry about a number of teams suffering from COVID, even though if that were to happen, then that would have been the case. But if we're willing to change rules to allow Ohio State University an, uh, an option or an alternative to be able to, to, to be able to play for a championship, then we can do the same thing for a lot of other teams that suffered the same fate amongst other teams that probably had to go through COVID protocol. So because Ohio State gives us the best chance of being marketable for this BCS Bowl, we feel as though there are no other teams that could possibly compete with Ohio State. Well, you know what? There were three teams that probably could have competed with them, but they couldn't play. And from what I saw from Indiana, Indiana to me, I mean, outside of the loss that they had, should have been in the, in the fight for some type of BCS game. And they're ranked 12th. And they're ranked 6-1. The only loss coming from Ohio State. So where's the fairness in this? It's the fact that these other teams are not marketable enough. That they feel that they don't need to have 
that that light on them. They don't they don't need to be polarizing right now because right now the more polarizing teams are Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Ohio State, in spite of what Ohio State did not do. So even looking at a Coastal Carolina and 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 the, the way they finished their game against Troy, they're still undefeated. And you look at all these other teams that are undefeated. It's amazing. Where does the line, where do you draw the line when it comes to ranking these teams? Do we sit back and think, well, you know what? Ohio State's a lot better than Florida. Ohio State is probably better than Georgia. I mean, who's to say? I mean, how can you just sit there and just decide on your own if these teams are just better or not as good as Ohio State? And, you know, it's it's not to take away from what Ohio State has done. It's not to take away from the fact that they're probably the fourth best team in the country. But there's other teams that had just a just as good, if not better season with more games played with an undefeated record that may not have an opportunity to get that fourth spot in the BCS rankings. And this is where I stand on that because there has to be some level of fairness. There has to be some level of regularity behind how you rank one team from the next. We like Ohio State for what they've done in the past, but Ohio State played on a riddled Big 10 where the number of teams suffer from COVID every week between Wisconsin and Minnesota. Uh, We saw Michigan affected by COVID. I mean, there are a number of teams that just could not play. And because they could not play, Ohio State could not play. In all fairness to all the other teams out there that are fighting for that fourth spot, it's only right you give them a look to see what games they've played, how well they've done this season, to at least give them an opportunity to get that fourth spot. So says the commission. I wanna jump into the NBA real quick because the time is rolling really fast. And, you know, I'm not as big a fan on the NBA. I've watched it for years. I follow a lot of the guys that played basketball, playing basketball, But I have to say, these players are unbelievable. The things that just, the the words that just spew out of their mouths regarding fines, regarding basketball play, some of them are so self-righteous. You really can't get a decent, more honest word out of these people because they really think that they're the best over everybody else. And then you look at LeBron James and what he's done and how he tries to materialize these teams around him at a chance of winning more championships, of course. And then you see all these other players in the wind that I guess probably feel as though they're as good, if not better, than LeBron James. Kyrie Irving played with LeBron James in 2016 when they won their championship in Cleveland. Shout out to Cleveland. And apparently he's been avoiding the media. Why do these players avoid the media? Who knows? But it it, it was Kyrie Irving that was fined $25,000 along with the Brooklyn Nets for not having Kyrie Irving available to be there present amongst the media to talk. And even when Kyrie was there, 
he probably just flat out refused. And it causes this commotion amongst the team, amongst the players that probably is very minuscule. But it's the fact that we've got these issues now stemming into the beginning of the season. That's probably for for nothing at all. And, and these players feel like, hey, listen, you know, you, you got to have to try to you know talk to me on, a, on another level. You, you can't talk to me the way you would talk to somebody else. And Kyrie said something close to that. And he came out and said that he does not talk. I do not talk to pawns. Like, are you kidding? I do not talk to pawns. My attention is worth more. Excuse you. When was the last time you won four rings? And, and last we saw of you, Kyrie, you were just making it. You had so, uh, shoulder surgery. You've had issues with your knees for the last 15 season, it feels like. You cannot feel as though you are the best thing out there. I think there comes a level of humility that comes with any athlete, especially professional athlete, that has been struggling for so long. And you could tell that the, 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 the style of play is starting to erode a bit because he he's not as explosive with the ball. He probably doesn't have the strength to maneuver in the, in the paint and, and to create shots. I mean, I'm sure he still has a decent jump shot. I'm sure he's able to, you know, make something happen with the basketball. I don't take that away from Kyrie Irving as far as his talent goes. But it's just the audacity to come out and feel as though, you know, you are not on my level. So therefore, I don't need to talk to you. And that's what's so irritating is that there are people that feel as though because they may have a championship because they may have played with a LeBron James. They may have played with a Michael Jordan as such that there's very little they need to say to anybody regarding what the regular season is going to be. But if you ask me about Kyrie Irving, I, I think this man is trying to focus on two things. One, he's trying to focus on his team and the dynamics that exist within the Brooklyn Nets with a new coach and basically a new team surrounding him with him being included. I mean, he's fairly new to the team. He really didn't play the entire season. He might not even play the third of the season last season. So a lot of this is still new to Kyrie Irving. At the same time, he was the, he was one of the people that talked about how the NBA needs to take a backseat amongst what's going on now in today's world with racial and social injustice and how we need to focus and concentrate more on our, these, these communities that have been suffering. And you know what? I, I get that, Kyrie. I feel you on that. I mean, there are times where we need to concentrate a lot on what's going on in the outside world where, you know, politics is not getting it. So perhaps these professional players need to stand up and use that platform that they have to speak out on issues like this. But I also believe when you are a professional athlete, you have to try to turn things on and off so that you realize that now it's time for your season to start. And you need to focus on basketball. Thus, the comment that he made, perhaps it had something to do with that. Maybe he didn't want to talk about a lot of the outside issues that have been going on. And I get that, too. But how hard would it have been for him to just come out and just say that? To say, hey, listen, I want to separate my time between sports and, and business. And if you want to talk to me about business, perhaps we could talk about it maybe sometime in the evening. 
I don't know if diplomacy works in the NBA, but I got to believe for somebody like Kyrie Irving, it wouldn't hurt if you wanted to speak out on things of this matter, just not during basketball time, not during preseason time. I would understand that. I do believe there's a time and place for everything when talking about the issues that stem today's society. But you're also one of the most popular basketball players in the NBA. And you're playing on a team that could be highly successful in large part due to how the performance and the production of Kevin Durant goes this season. So there's a lot riding on what you say and what you do. And I think for you to just take the high road and say, well, I don't want to talk to any of these peons or or these pawns, he puts it. It's a disservice to the other people out there that just want to hear what you have to say. Because sometimes your voice and your word does mean something. It means a lot when LeBron speaks. Perhaps Kyrie is up there as well. But to be so dismissive and and, and to be so uh, arrogant, so self-absorbed with what's going on in your life that you feel as though you don't need to talk to anybody else. It's not looking it's not looking good for you and it's not making anybody else in that organization look any better. I wish them the best against the East because the East is loaded this year with the Knicks and Boston and uh, Toronto and what they've done and, and Charlotte, Indiana, um, Indiana Pacers, excuse me, with, with Philly and Milwaukee and Atlanta and Chicago and everybody else under the sun in the East. He's going to have his hands full. So I want to say for the sake of arguing that Kyrie Irving is just focused on basketball right now and everything else can just wait for another time period. But I mean, being hit $25,000, is nothing to sneeze at either. That's a lot of money for just not saying a word. So says the commish, the time I have left, I'm going to talk in NFL talk. And, um, you know, we're looking at, week 14 of the NFL season and started Thursday between New England and Los Angeles and for all those people like I spoke on I believe it was Tuesday night for all those people that really felt as though New England had a shot of going to the playoffs please fall back I am not taking this out on anybody from New England I'm not taking it out on the New England fans because I believe that you're devoted to that team no matter what and I get it But I don't understand how the narrative can go from one team uh, with a chance of going to the playoffs and then within maybe days turn around and say this team is just not good enough. They weren't good enough a few weeks ago. I think when it really showed was when they played against Buffalo at New England and could have won. I believe they were at New England. I believe they were in New England against Buffalo and they could have won and they didn't. And I think that was the beginning of the ending for this team in particular with Cam Newton. Cam Newton may not be that Cam Newton of old during the 2015 series when he was MVP. And it's evident when he goes out there and he tries to do things in the pocket as far as just passing the ball. This man can't pass the ball to save his life. Maybe the injuries are are catching up to him. Keep in mind the fact that the Rams is one of the best defenses in the league. I got them at number three overall between Indianapolis and uh, I mentioned Pittsburgh, but of course Pittsburgh is taking a backseat. So maybe we can move the Rams up to number two. Uh, 
and maybe concentrate on the Saints being number three as the top defenses in the league. But let's face it, the, the Patriots, the New England Patriots, I had them to win the division. So shame on me. But I did not think that Cam would look as bad as he has over the last few games. That team just needs to be reconstructed. It, it, it needs to go into rebuild mode. And, and a lot of teams need to go in that direction. But I don't think we can just feel as though because it's Bill Belichick and it's his team and how they did against the Chargers last week that they had the best opportunity to make in the playoffs. So that game was Thursday between New England and the Rams, of which, of course, the Rams were victorious. Great team. I'm telling you right now, that Rams team, I, I can't see how anybody else in the NFC can compete with them right now. They're hot. But as far as the other games for week 14, we've got Houston at Chicago. This is going to be an interesting game in large part because of the make between how they traded up and got Mitchell Trubisky over Deshaun Watson. I mean, we're making a little out of nothing at this point, but I'm curious to see what Deshaun Watson does against the Chicago team. That is, I got to believe they're just broken right now. They, They probably can't understand how they've lost the last five or six games and are now struggling to at least try to keep up with other teams in the division. But I like Houston to beat Chicago on Sunday. Dallas at Cincinnati. That game really has it has no significance whatsoever. You can you can coin toss that one. Dallas heads, Bengals tails. Who knows? Uh, we're playing for pride at this point. Both teams are playing for pride, and I get it. And if I had to pick a team to win, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean on Dallas because I think the defense has been saving them through most of the games. However, I'm curious to see what Cincinnati does, being that they haven't had any decency with any of the quarterbacks. But give me Dallas in a game against Cincinnati. The Kansas City Chiefs at Miami. That's gonna be a great game. I like Miami to win because of what they can do on defense to somehow confuse a Patrick Mahomes. I think they'll put a lot of pressure on him, which is what you need to do. And that's the team that can do that to confuse Patrick Mahomes enough to see some three and outs and perhaps get them to punt and perhaps give Tua Tungo-Vailoa some time to move the ball on offense. Give me Miami that game. And what could be an upset against Kansas City? Arizona at New York. We got the Cardinals against the Giants. The Cardinals are in big trouble. And they're in big trouble because they've lost how to win. And I don't know if if it's been three straight that they've lost or four straight that they've lost, but they've been losing a lot. And they can't afford to lose much more. However, I don't know if they can beat New York at New York because that defense has come to life. Give me the Giants over Arizona. Minnesota at Tampa Bay. Minnesota needs to win for an opportunity to go to the playoffs. Tampa Bay doesn't necessarily need to win. But I think for the sake of that team, they have to win with a shot to even have a position in the playoffs in the event that they lose this one. There's no guarantee what should happen to other teams if they continue to win. Give me Tampa Bay and a win over Minnesota. Even though Minnesota will probably keep it close, give me Tampa Bay in that game. Denver at Carolina. Denver is done. 
stick a fork in them. They've probably been done for a while, just like New England. I don't know if they can be competitive enough against Carolina. At Carolina, it's going to be a messy day. Give me Carolina over Denver. Tennessee at Jacksonville. Jacksonville, can they can make some noise now. They, they, they've made noise in the division. But Tennessee realizes they have to win. Give me Tennessee over Jacksonville. Indianapolis versus the Las Vegas Raiders. I like what Indianapolis can do to the Raiders right now. The Raiders are trying to get back on track. Give me Indianapolis. The Jets of New York play against Seattle at Seattle. Do I have to say anything else? Seattle wins. Green Bay at Detroit. We've got Aaron Rodgers against Detroit's defense. Give me Green Bay. New Orleans at Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts plays his first game against the third best defense by my book in the NFL. Give me New Orleans in that game. Atlanta at the Chargers. Go Chargers, go. Atlanta, they've been hot. I want to see what Atlanta does against Los Angeles. Give me Atlanta. Washington against San Fran. That's a game Washington has to win, just like San Fran. They'll be playing at Arizona. So give me Washington against San Fran in Arizona. Pittsburgh at Buffalo. I like Buffalo to win that game because that Pittsburgh D is struggling. And Baltimore at Cleveland. Cleveland realizes they have to win this game to stay in pace with the Steelers. Give me Cleveland against Baltimore. Those are the games for week 14 in the NFL. I'm running out of time, but hopefully we'll get a chance to talk more about this on Monday night. I want to say peace and love to everybody out there. I hope everybody's enjoying their weekend. This is the commission and this has been the kneel down podcast. Peace and love again. I am out.